last lesson in this module where we will be looking at the forensic opportunities that might present themselves at different offence types uh, and how you might go about recovering those as the crime scene investigator. So here we've got two common uh, volume offence types. On the left we've got a domestic burglary and on the right we've got a recovered stolen motor vehicle. And we're just going to run down now uh, how you might, as a crime scene investigator, go about assessing that crime scene and then deciding how you will set about examining it. The first thing to look for, I guess, uh, at both crime scenes is the point of entry. How did the offender get into the crime scene? Well, with the vehicle on the right, uh, it's reasonably straightforward because uh, I guess they've probably entered through the door. That door could be insecure. Uh, they might have drilled the lock to gain access. They might even have had a key. The premises on the left uh, a little bit more problematic. There could be many points of entry. You could enter through uh, an open door or window. That could be at the front rear side of the premises. It may have been necessary to force open the door and window to gain entry. So there's more assessment required there because there are multiple opportunities for entry. And similarly, uh, with the point of exit as well, clearly the point of exit from the vehicle is going to be via the door. Uh, with the premises on the left, there are just as many points of exit as there are points of entry. And that point of entry and exit could be the same. They could be different. So it would not necessarily be assumed that the route the offender took to leave the premises was the same route that they took to access the premises. Uh, so once we're inside the vehicle or inside the house, what uh, has been disturbed? What's the crime scene behaviour of the offender? What have they been doing in that crime scene? Well, the, the vehicle on the right is a much more self-contained crime scene. Uh, you've got a small area there, about two metres square, and in there, disturbance that, that might have been caused by the offender can be more apparent than in the house. So we would be looking, for example, for uh, the rear view mirror you can see there, maybe a print, fingerprint on the rear view mirror where it's been adjusted for different height of driver. There might be fingerprints or DNA on the steering wheel, uh, the handbrake lever, items you have to touch in order to drive the vehicle. In the house, a much bigger area, much more problematic, but we'd be, with the assistance of the householder, uh, be trying to identify where that offender has been. So maybe they've uh, searched through a, a purse or a wallet looking for money or credit cards. Maybe they've disturbed or moved ornaments either to uh, take items away from the crime scene or just to have a better look at what's been going on. Maybe they've moved books from a bookshelf and so on. Maybe they've conducted a tidy or untidy search of the premises. In terms of what might the offender have left behind, well again the vehicle on the right uh, is a little more straightforward. Anything that the, uh, the owner of the vehicle says doesn't belong to them uh, is likely to be left by the offender or someone with them. So that could be things like cigarette butts, it could be chewing gum, 
it could be drinks cans, it could be drinks bottles, all things that the offender might have left in that nice little two metre square uh, crime scene. The house, uh, again, more problematic if uh, the offender has climbed through a window to get access to the premises, maybe they've broken the glass to get in and they could have left some fibres behind, some fibres on the, the broken window or the, uh, the window catch. Uh, they might have cut themselves so we could be looking for blood, blood drops, blood smears particularly near the point of entry where they might have been bleeding but not yet realised so. Tool marks, tools to gain access to the premises. We've uh, seen earlier how we can get uh, tool mark impressions from crime scene. Footwear marks as well. Footwear marks if something's been spilt on the floor. We said earlier about the, uh, the footwear marks could be left behind in a substance like flour spilt at the crime scene or maybe even blood. Fingerprints and also cigarette ends as well. They might be uh, careless enough to be uh, smoking at the cigarette, uh, smoking a cigarette at the crime scene, and then leave the cigarette butt behind. What if it's the offender taken away unintentionally from the crime scene? Uh, well, if they've smashed or broken glass to get into the premises on the left, there could be, as we've seen, uh, little shards of glass on their clothing, on their head hair. Uh, which could again link them back to the crime scene. If, uh, if windows glass been broken in the vehicle, well, that might also be the case, but if, uh, if access was gained through the door, maybe by drilling the lock or with the key, or if the vehicle wasn't locked, more problematic there in terms of what uh, might the offender have taken away that was left what was originally part of the crime scene. So there's, there's quite a few... Uh, things to be thought about there when you're assessing and working out as you're looking around the crime scene maybe you're you're peering into that vehicle as the crime scene investigator maybe you've gone through uh, into the house and you're discussing with the householder on the left there what's been stolen what's happened and you're making that assessment as to what do I need to do as a crime scene investigator to make sure that I recover all of the forensic opportunities from this crime scene and the the best way to approach any crime scene is to understand the rules the rules around assessing and recovering evidence from the crime scene and then you can apply those rules to whatever scenario you might ultimately be presented with